This is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 94, The Gap and the Gain. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am excited to be here. And I know I say that all the time, but today I am really happy to share with you what we're going to be talking about on this episode. It is a concept based on a book that I read a while ago, and I have just integrated this concept into my life and I share it with all my clients. And it has just been such a game changer for me and for many of my clients. So I wanted to take the time. It's taken me a little bit of time to pull it all together because I wanted to go a little bit deeper with you to explain the concept. So here we are today. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And I hope that it will be a game changer in your life as well. So the book is called The Gap and the Gain, and it is by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. Now, according to Dan Sullivan, who's the creator of the concept, The Gap and the Gain, he says the future growth and progress that you make are based in your understanding about the difference between the two ways in which you can measure yourself. So when I work with my clients, I pull up my whiteboard and I draw them a picture of three little circles in a row with three little smiley faces. The middle circle is their current self. The circle on their left is their past self. And the circle on the right is their ideal self. So you can just visualize that or just draw it on a piece of paper yourself if you're not driving. So we have your current in the middle, your past on the left, and your ideal on the right. Now, in between the past self and the current self is what we call the gain. And in between your current self and your ideal self is what we call the gap. So I first want to say that I am a total advocate of having a future self. So that's a bit different than having this ideal self, which is on the right side. And I did a full podcast on, I think it was episode 54 called Future You. I talked all about the importance of your future self being in the car, navigating you, guiding you. And on episode 78, I talked about who's in your car You really want your future self to be there. Your future self can give you a lot of wisdom and direction, great navigation, can help you uncover your full potential. So using your future self as a guide is very powerful. However, your future self is not to be used against you as a weapon, not as a way to judge you or compare you, to feel bad about where you should be and where you are and where you're not already. So when we take where we are right now and we measure ourselves against this ideal, it puts you into what is called the gap. Basically, when you live in the gap, you are always comparing yourself to where you want to be, where you think you should be. And when you do this, you're never satisfied. You're never able to live in the present or enjoy the present because you are busy thinking about how you should be somewhere else and you aren't there. 
progress is not celebrated because it's never good enough and you will never get to that ideal. So again, we want to use our future self as a way of deciding on the direction to have a goal, but we're not going to be turning our future self into an ideal self and focusing on how we're not as far as we should be, or we're super far behind, etc. So Sullivan and Hardy say that ideals are meant to provide direction, motivation, and meaning. They are not to be used as a measuring stick. So we're trained to measure ourselves against our ideals, but by definition of something being quote unquote ideal, ideals are unreachable. That's why they are ideals. So living in the gap means you're constantly living in a state of stress. You are in an endless race to nowhere is what Sullivan and Hardy say, because you're never going to measure up. Think of what your self-talk is at the end of the day if you measure yourself in this gap. You didn't get that accomplished. You're not where you said you'd be. You're behind. You're not good enough. That's pretty much what you end up saying to yourself when you're constantly measuring yourself with where you think you should be by the end of the day or week or year. You may say things like, see, you just don't have what it takes. You're so pathetic. You're not there yet. Other people get there much sooner than you. So it's really not great self-talk and it's not very motivating and it's not very encouraging. Now, if we go look at the gain, the gain is where you take where you are now and you're comparing yourself to where you have been. Where is your starting point? You appreciate all that you've accomplished. When you live in the gain, you're always measuring yourself backward against where you were before. So you're measuring your own progress. You're not comparing yourself to something external, some type of ideal or somebody else. You are valuing all your experiences. When you measure your progress by your gains rather than the gaps that still remain, you're not worried about failures. You're constantly appreciating how far you've come. Now, being more positive like this is actually going to fuel more progress because progress begets more progress. You focus on what you have actually done and you measure those gains and you use those gains to create more and more gains in the future. And the more you measure your gains, the more positive energy you're going to have. And then the more gains you'll get busy at creating in the future. When you're measuring your gains, you are also fully in the moment. You are present because you are appreciating the now. So essentially you can measure forward and focus on where you want to be, where that ideal is, which is the gap, or you can measure backward and look at all the gains you've achieved since starting. Now, the research really supports that it is much, much better to measure backwards. In other words, we want to get out of the gap and get into the gain. And in every situation, you are actually either in the gap or the gain. You can't be in both at the same time. There is a great quote by Greg McEwen who says, if you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. If you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. So the gap is like being in scarcity and the gain is like being in abundance. So which one do you prefer? Reminding yourself to be in the gain can actually shift everything. And that's what it did for me. You focus on what you have done and you can transform every experience into a gap or gain framework. Being in the gain is really being in the zone of restoration, of healing, empowerment, and resilience. 
When you live in the gain, you perceive everything in your life, even the challenging experiences in your life, you perceive them as a gain. You start to see things differently. So that's the concept in its simplest form. Are you focused on how far you've come or how far you still have to go? And Hardy and Sullivan then spend the rest of the time in this awesome book, dividing it into two parts. One, how to get out of the gap and two, how to get into the gain. So I'm going to share with you just an overview of some of those concepts. As I said, I love the book, doing a bit of a deeper dive than I usually do when I talk about a book, but it's just such a great concept that really has been life-changing for me. So the first one, how do we get out of the gap? They break it down into three things, actually. So the first recommendation is embrace the freedom of wants, not needs. Now, there's a difference between needing something and wanting something. And I want you to stop and pause and just ask yourself, okay, do you feel the difference when you need something versus when you want something? Now, when we need something, we're in the gap. When you are in the gap, you have this unhealthy attachment to something external. You feel you need something in order to be happy or whole or confident. Now, you can be 100% committed to something, but not need it. The moment you become attached or obsessive to something, you're actually in the gap. For example, if you have the need to be right in an argument, you are in the gap. If something doesn't go as planned and you're upset, you're in the gap. If you feel like you need something to be a certain way or something in order to be happy, then you're not satisfied with the here and now. And again, you're in the gap. If you are mentally wanting to be there, instead of here, you are in the gap. Now, wanting is different. As I said, you can be 100% committed to wanting something without needing it. You can be content with being here and still want something because wanting actually creates abundance. And they state in their book that in the wanting world, there is an abundance of resources as a result of creativity and innovation that comes from wanting. It can be very freeing to be choosing to be or to do what you want to do. And I always say this about relationships too, especially marriages. You don't want to need somebody. You don't want to be in a marriage because you need that person. You want to be in a relationship because you want to be. You want to be together. You are freely choosing to be together, not because you have a dependency or a codependency on each other or a strong need. You are freely choosing to be together because you want to. When you're in the gain, you're operating out of freedom and choice. When you're in the gap, you're operating from a position of lack or need. So you need to choose to be free from the gap. You need to be free from lack or need. When you're in the gain, you can be in harmony with what you actually want, knowing that you don't actually need it. Now, the second way to get out of the gap is to become self-determined and define your own success criteria. So think to yourself, what defines your success? If you are looking externally, have external reference points, you are in the gap. External reference points actually make it harder to ever feel success because external success criteria is always moving and changing. Then we constantly feel like we're never measuring up. But what happens if you make your own reference points, your own success guide, 
And I talked a bit about this back in an episode called Successful Parenting. I was saying that as a parent, you need to be making your own success criteria. And when you do that, you're living in the gain because you're comparing yourself to yesterday. You're not comparing yourself with somebody else, especially not somebody else portrayed in social media where everybody presents as the best of the best. Their ideal selves often is what they're presenting. You want to measure your own gains and not worry about other people. So make a list of what success means to you. Choose how you want to measure yourself. Set goals for yourself. Help guide the direction. But remember, they are not to be used to beat yourself up. Now, I love one story that they share in the book about a British rowing team. I'm going to share with you directly from the book the story. The British rowing team had not won a gold medal since 1912. By all measures, they didn't have good, a good rowing program. Then something changed. In anticipation of the 2000 Sydney Olympics, the team developed a useful filtering process that changed everything. They went from being an average rowing team to a winning an Olympic gold. They developed a one-question filtering response to every single decision they made. This one question allowed them to measure every situation, decision, and obstacle, and to not get derailed where most people do. With every decision or opportunity, every member of the team asked themselves, will it make the boat go faster? Example, you get invited to a late-night party the night before training. Will it make the boat go faster? If the answer is no, then the decision is no. Tempted to eat a donut? Will it make the boat go faster? The British rowing team used this single measure as their decision filter to quickly escalate their unity, skills, conditioning, and training. They destroyed their competition and won gold. Like the British rowing team, your success criteria becomes more powerful and effective as you use them. A list of effective success criteria is something you can easily apply, especially in heated situations where you could compromise. Get very good at saying no to anything that misaligns with your success criteria. As you do, you'll be shocked at the confidence and momentum you build quickly. Your list of success criteria is your rocket fuel. I just love that. Putting everything through the question, will it make your boat go faster? Come up with your own success criteria. Come up with that one question that you can always be asking yourself to see if you are in line with your success criteria and that can help you guide your decisions. Now, the third way to get out of the gap is to train your brain to see the gain kind of cute. It rhymes. So the gap can actually be a habit. Our brain can get in the habit of looking for the gap. And if you spend a lot of time in the gap, the compound effect of it will impact the length of your life. Believe it or not, that is the research that they found. Why? Because it's constantly putting you in a place of stress. And that stress response will really take a toll on your body. Research has also shown that how you interpret events determines the impact of stress and illness on your body. And we've talked about that before. So if you go back to the episode about feeding your brain, I share with you a bunch of studies about how your mindset can impact the outcome in your body. 
When you are in the game, you're choosing to find the good in everything and the lessons in everything. You can perceive everything in your life as a gain, even if it is challenging. You end up framing things as a gain and you choose to view your experiences as a gain. And remember, you're choosing to view your experiences as a gain. This is a very deliberate practice that you can do because being in the gain then makes you not only feel more optimistic, but more resilient to challenges. It can actually increase your health and longevity. When you're in the gap, you're focusing on scarcity and a comparison of what you do not have. But when you're in the gain, you're filled with gratitude. Now you often have to work on reframing your thoughts. It does take some effort. And next week's podcast, I'm going to share with you part of my routine that helps me identify and train my brain to see the gains. So stay tuned for that episode. Now, the one recommendation that I love is they suggested that it's obviously hard to not be somewhat focused on the gap. And they suggest that you give yourself a set amount of time to talk about the gap, kind of like the worry time that I talked about just on a recent episode. So you give yourself gap time, certain amount of time, let your brain go to the gap, and then you switch to gain time. It's very similar to what I also call equal air time, where you switch to channel. Are you on the gap channel? or are you on the gain channel? And the more time you spend on the gain channel, the more natural it's going to feel. That's the whole concept of neuroplasticity. Keep practicing, keep training, and it will get easier and it will get better as the more you practice and train your brain. So those are some ways that we can use to get out of the gap. Now, what do we do to deliberately get into the gain? And again, they gave three recommendations. The first recommendation is to always measure backwards. And this is going to increase your hope and your resilience. We need to see progress. Without seeing progress, it is really easy for us to burn out. When we see progress, we have more hope and it's easier to be more resilient to deal with all the challenges and adversities that we face. But it's easy to forget our gains if we're not looking out for them and constantly recalling them. So if we're not consciously doing this, it's easy to lose sight of our former gains. That's why there is incredible power in keeping records and journals, which is what we talked about last week. I'm also next week going to give you a specific way to help journaling to help capture your gains. So again, stay tuned. Now, we always reconstruct our memories with our current perspective. So we're not actually very good at just remembering what happens. And that's why journaling or keeping a record or reviewing a process frequently is so powerful because it allows you to tap into the context of your former self and see the gains from that perspective. So you want to be measuring backwards. Where am I now? Where was I yesterday, last month, three months ago, last year? Comparing a snapshot of your former self with your current self quickly gets you in the gains. And remember, we do want to set goals. We want to turn to our future self for guidance, and we want to push ourselves to do amazing things in the future. But we want to measure our success backwards by looking at where you're now compared to where you were before. And the more you practice measuring yourself backwards, the more confident and motivated you will be. Remember also that gains are not just external accomplishments. They are 
every form of growth or progress. They could include experiences you've had. So vacations or events or challenging events or lessons learned or even relationships. You want to be specific. You want to measure specifics. You will always be growing. You always want to be aiming for that 1% better than the day before. Yes, you're going to change your mind. You're going to do things differently. You will recognize mistakes you've made in the past. That is all measuring the gain. You are not the same person you were in the past, and that's a good thing. You have evolved and you have grown a lot, and you want to measure that growth. Now, the second way to get in the gain is to take time to measure three wins daily. Now, Sullivan and Hardy suggest that we need to be very careful with how we use the last hour of every day. They say that what you do during the hour before bed sets the tone for the rest of your life. And there's a saying too by Thomas Edison that says, never go to bed without a request to your subconscious. Because powerful stuff happens when you sleep. What are you setting your brain up for? So you need to create a good routine, a way to consciously capture your gains. And they suggest to write down three wins daily. And this is one of the most effective ways to stay out of the gap and get into the gain. But when you do this, you're also retraining your brain to see the gains and not the gap. Remember what you tell your brain to find, it will. So retrain it to find the gains. Your experience in life is whatever you choose to focus on. You can also kick it up a notch by sharing these wins with a partner, somebody who cares deeply about you. This can help up your level of accountability as well. And then you can even go a step further, write down what three wins you hope to have the next day. And then that gets your brain subconsciously working on those wins while you sleep. So the last hour of every day, you want to sit down and write out your three gains. If you want, have some type of accountability partner or friend that you can share those gains with, and then set your intentions for the next day. What are three gains that you're hoping to achieve the next day? And let your brain get busy on doing that. Now, thirdly, transform every experience into a gain. This is another way that you can get focused on getting into the gains. Now, Byron Katie says, life is simple. Everything happens for you, not to you. Everything happens at exactly the right moment, neither too soon nor too late. You don't have to like it. It's just easier if you do. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? You don't have to like it and you probably won't like it. It's just easier if you learn to accept it and to understand that everything happens for you, not to you. Now, when you are in the game, you are proactive about your experiences. You look at your experiences and you use them to become more adaptive and successful in your future because you realize you're in the driver's seat of your life. When you're in the gap, you're a passenger. You react to whatever happens. And when things don't go as planned, you become a powerless victim. But you actually do get to decide what your experiences mean. You don't get to decide what your experiences are going to be necessarily, but you decide how you frame them, what lens you put on them, what mindset you have. That is the lens that you see everything through. You get to decide that. You can either decide that you're winning and failing or you're winning and learning. 
rather than hoping and wishing that bad things didn't happen to you, which is being in the gap, you realize that bad things do happen, but you can grow from these things. This is a whole concept of post-traumatic growth. Now, I love, love, love that instead of us just looking for meaning of events and experiences in our life, it's actually on us to create the meaning. So yes, we can look for the meaning. Sometimes it's hard to find the meaning. And so what we need to do instead is create the meaning. Our choice is always to become better or bitter. We may not be able to choose the adversity but we can choose our response. We get to transform our experiences. We get to take any experience from our past, extract as much value out of it as possible so that we can grow and learn. Now, if we're constantly comparing to other people's experiences, then we're in the gap. But when we change our own experience to make them meaningful to us, we are in the game. Being in the gap is passive. It happened. I was a victim. Being in the gain is active. I can extract lessons, purposes, and use out of my experiences. That is what I have for you today. I want to challenge you this week to stop and ask yourself when you're thinking, doing things, experiencing, feeling, are you in the gap or are you in the gain? then you want to proactively try to get out of the gap. And you do this by embracing the freedom of wanting something instead of needing something, becoming really self-determined and training your brain to see the gains and not the gaps. Now, when you want to deliberately get into the gain, you always want to be measuring backwards. You want to take the time to measure three wins daily and you want to try to transform all your experiences into gains. It's not easy, but it is totally worth it when you can shift your mindset to make it one of seeking and finding those gains. Now, again, next week, I'm going to offer you a regular routine that I use to get into the gain. But until then, just start building your awareness. Are you often in the gain or are you often in the gap? and I'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.